Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, the podcast. Don't you remember you told me along the baby? You said you'd be coming back this way again, baby. Baby, 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 oh. seeing shows again in Vegas. We love it and some great tribute shows and one of the very best and one that you don't hear a lot of is for the Carpenters and we've got two great people, Sally Olson and Ned Mills as Karen and Richard Carpenter. They're both with us today and we're going to talk about it. They're doing a six-week residency so you want to get your tickets as soon as you can. It'll start next weekend and it'll run for the next six weeks, Tuesdays and Wednesdays at seven o'clock over at Stoney's Rockin' Country in Town Square, which is a great locale. Well, I got to ask you guys. First of all, Sally, you guys look like the Carpenters, and you sound like the Carpenters. What made you decide to do that? Because Karen Carpenter sometimes scares people because she was such a great singer and stuff, played the drums and so forth, and yet you guys went for it. How did you decide to go and do this tribute act to the Carpenters? Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, people can get very intimidated by trying to fill Karen Carpenter's shoes because she was just such a huge talent. For me, this all kind of came together really as um, a happy accident back about uh, six six or seven years ago. Um, I'm from Vermont, so we're talking back in Vermont um, in around 2014. I had been training professionally as a singer, and I got to the point that I wanted to put together a one-woman show. And I, at that point, I had no idea of what I wanted to do, except that I was always very much... Um, into the music of the 60s and 70s all through my childhood and high school, um, even to the point where I was only listening to oldies, radio stations, and wearing only vintage clothing. <laughs> um, so when I started reading through music and kind of brainstorming about what the show would be, um, in, in pretty short order, I started looking through Carpenter's songbooks, and I quickly realized that it was a great fit vocally because I have the same vocal range is Karen and just also her as a person and her story and just, and just the, how prolific she and Richard were and their wonderful library of music. I, I quickly determined that that's what I wanted to be for the show. And it was really meant to just be a one-time thing. Um, and then when I debuted it in January of 2015, I had so much fun doing it that I just wanted to keep on doing it and things evolved over the years. And by the spring of 2017, I brought it to the Triad Theater in New York City, and it, it got a bit of attention there, and particularly one person who came to the show, he said he had, he had some ideas, and he'd be in touch, and lo and behold, a couple months later, he got in touch with me, and um, he said that he had a childhood friend living out here in Vegas, and she's, she's a former showgirl, and so he connected me with her, and their idea was to get me to come out to Vegas, audition for Legends and Concert which I ultimately did, and now I also perform with Legends in Concert. 
Um, so I came out to Vegas in January of 2018, and this mutual friend um, scheduled me to sit in with various pianists. And Ned was the first one, and he was also the last one, so kind of the rest <laughs> was history. But <laughs> I was rethinking the show, and I was at the point where, like, well, I need somebody to play the role of Richard because it wasn't just Karen, it was the Carpenters. So Ned was totally on board with the project and and... That's how it all got started. Well, Ned, I want to ask you, because Richard Carpenter is an interesting character. On the one hand, you figure Karen's the star. There's no question about it. But he was important, and he played a big part in that. And I would think that if people are going to go out and see a tribute act, they're going to kind of demand Richard Carpenter. So did you do, like, some research on this guy? Because, again, I always remember him with that, ah, you know, he had that particular uh, thing in the back that was kind of standard through all their songs. And he was a good piano player. So did you do some of that to try to get whatever his persona was in that duo? Yeah, I had originally, uh, when Sally and I first met, I only had like a basic, you know, layman's knowledge of the Carpenters. Everybody knows Close to You and We've Only Just Begun and all the big hits. And I knew he played piano and I knew he had somewhat of a jazz background. But boy, was did I not realize what I was getting into because... He's one of the probably one of the most underappreciated uh, jazz pianists, uh, composers, arrangers of the 20th century. Um, I mean, everyone knows Richard Carpenter. Of course, he's gotten his credit, but not nearly to the extent that he really deserved. He was a phenomenal pianist. He was a prodigy, a child prodigy. In fact, his parents originally the first time because Richard. Um, Sally, how much older is Richard than uh, Karen was? Two or three years older, right? Uh, three and, about three and a half to four years. I yeah, think. three and a half. He was born so, in 1950. So he was born in 46, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the, the original talented child in the family was Richard, and they were pushing his talent before, they even, before Karen came into the picture. And so um, once we got the show going, and my degree is in arranging. I, I got a bachelor's degree in music, and I... I with the North Texas State University and studied jazz and, and that sort of thing, which I definitely came in uh, handy for this because I had to arrange a lot of the music for the show. And a lot of the stuff we do was never published. So, for example, there's this moment where uh, Richard plays this Bach invention while Karen sings from this moment on. It never got published, so not only did I have, have to learn it, uh, which is... Uh, not easy to play. I had to figure out what he was playing, transcribe it, and then <laughs> to learn. So yeah, there's classical features in there that that Richard did, and of course, you know those rich harmonies, those signature Carpenter beautiful harmonies, and uh, yeah, I really, really had some big shoes to fill. I still have the most utmost respect for him. He is now, I believe, he's about seventy five years old now, and um, no, I. Ultimately, he really is. If there, if it was not for Richard, the Carpenters would definitely have not been what it is known for now. Just Karen by herself, he deserves equally just as much a credit as, as Karen did in their well, musical legacy. Well, that's great because I think that is an important part of this. And you know, a couple of questions uh, for you, Sally. As Karen, first of all, you played mm -hmm. the drums. Was that something you always did? Well, I. I actually did not play the drums until I started uh, doing this show. Um, I, it, it, going back to Vermont, it was in the, in the early years of doing this show that I 
uh, that I started thinking ahead and brainstorming on where I saw the show going. And I'm glad I, I did because I started taking drum lessons um, several years ago. Um, and even though I wasn't playing the drums in the show at that point when I was still in Vermont, I, I knew that that was something I wanted to eventually incorporate into the show. So I started, so I started taking drum lessons, yeah. Well, you guys take this really seriously in the sense that to get it just right, I know people talk about kind of the spot-on vocals. Ned just talked about the arrangement and so forth. One of the things you do, too, is, and you, of course, you, you mentioned that you dress that way. You've dressed that way for a long time. But I'm kind of curious about the dialogue because everybody knows the Karen Carpenter story is kind of sad. And some of the songs she sang were that way. Did that involve watching a lot of film and that kind of thing to kind of get a feel for it because she had a unique style. I mean, not only was that a beautiful voice, but it was presented in a sort of way people can recognize that whether it's Christmas songs or uh, the regular songs on the soft rock music station, you can pick up Karen Carpenter right away. Yeah, that, that's true. She her, her voice is so unique that as soon as you hear the first note, you know it's Karen. Um, she had that kind of voice quality. It's very intimate and a lot of people describe it as being velvety, but it is that quality of like she's whispering in your ear and that she's singing just for you. So, yeah, definitely. Um, that, that's a, a very important um, kind of iconic feature of Karen's voice um, and, and definitely something that I emulate when I perform. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One thing you guys do, which is kind of cool, is you do it with a more like a lean and mean uh, background group. you got five performers, and from what I understand, most Carpenter tributes, they a lot of orchestra and so forth, but I think that just puts the pressure on you two. Ned, was that sort of the idea that we can do this and we want to keep the highest production value and make this, of course, cost-effective because it has to, to go around the country and do this all over? You, you hit the nail right on the head, yeah, uh, because obviously we don't have hundred thousand dollar budgets, you know, and can bring a full orchestra with us. Or even when they did the UK tour, although of course they had their nucleus of their uh, backup musicians, there's a moment where the curtain opens and, oh my God, there's a full orchestra back there. <laughs> you know, we're not in a position to do that. So um, but I, I found ways to, you know, make it a lean operation, to, to make it palatable and affordable that um, we can perform in any venue. Uh, Sally and I have even done very intimate spaces where it's just me and Sally. Uh, we recently did that at the Italian American club, uh, a couple of months ago. And, um, you know, we, we have a, a couple of things where we do that as well. And in, in a way, I think it's even, uh, more flattering or fulfilling when it's just me and her and, and we still get a really nice standing ovation or, you know, at the end of the show where I get one after my classical feature, I do Gershwin's Rhapsody in blue, and um, so it's it's really we really get a kick out of that too. So, um, but yeah, we also have we have really talented musicians here locally. We have uh, John Plows is our drummer who we take everywhere. Uh, we have Matt guitar, uh, Matt Baldoni on guitar, who also performs with the Australian Bee Gees, and we have uh, Jim Dorigo on saxophone, clarinet, and flute. And then if we do have to travel extensively, we take our drummer with us, and we have a roster of talent throughout the country that we also have perform with us. I want to ask both of you this, so I'll, I'll start with you, uh, Sally, first. But as I think sure. of the Carpenters, okay, I remember when I was I was very young when they were popular, and a lot of us cool kids didn't want anything to do with that. We were listening to the leftover Beatles stuff and the Rolling Stones and all that stuff. But as you get older, it's not that you don't like that other stuff, but 
their music sort of creeps in, and you hear it over and over and over a lifetime. You know, they got that great Christmas music that's always part of uh, of the of the tape that is playing in the background. It seems, and it's it's part of your it's almost part of your life when you uh, have it in the background. Whether you're shopping, is of that music. While I would call it soft rock, appeals to a large group of, of folks. Does that put kind of extra pressure? You guys have to be really uh, tight with this stuff because people have heard it so often, and the, now that they don't, you know, Karen, of course, passed, and of course they're not doing this stuff. There's not as much leeway for you to get close. You have to hit it right on the nail on the head. Yeah, I mean that's that's certainly true. Um, I guess for me, it's not it's not as difficult as one might think, just because I I think I'm naturally lucky to have that, you know, same voice quality as Karen. Um, so when I'm up there and I just, I just open my mouth and sing, what comes out is what's natural for me. And it just so happens to be in line with how Karen sang. Um, in terms of the only things that I really had to adjust was just paying really close attention to her phrasing and some of uh, the way, some of how she pronounced certain words to give it that extra little Karen-esque, you know, uh, yeah. flair. Um, but but by and large, um, it, it was just already there for me. So so yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty lucky. Otherwise, yeah, it's like it. I could see where, for a lot of people, it would be very difficult. Well, Ned, as uh, playing the Richard Carpenter part, you kind of have all that other stuff to worry about, right? Because he was a, as I understand it, he was kind of a perfectionist with the way the sound is, and it has to, <coughs> it has to be perfect and so forth. And there you are playing that role. Yeah, and, and beyond the role of playing the piano on the stage, it's interesting the parallels of what I have to do behind the scenes that Richard also did, you know, because I serve as music director of the show. Um, I am the technical director of the show. Um, in fact, it's actually today I'm preparing to, I drop the stage schemat- the stage plots, the microphone input lists. Uh, I book the musicians. Um, I handle the technical aspects of the show. I communicate with the sound guy. Um, and, um, yeah, there's a lot of that stuff. It's a lot of people don't realize that, you know, Richard, uh, was the one who personally selected every song. He knew how to pull the, to get the most out of Karen's voice that he possibly could, you know, choosing the keys, taking advantage of that beautiful alto voice Karen had, you know, uh, the harmonies, uh, the studio thing. They weren't just like some smiley, you know, pop duo that just, did their stuff and everyone else handled all the stuff. No, it was, it was a lot of it was on Richard's shoulders. And that's why even to this day, we had the honor of um, uh, seeing uh, Herb Alpert perform at the Smith center a couple of years ago. And he talks, you know, a lot about the Carpenters cause that was a big chapter in his life. And so, yeah, the, the behind the scenes stuff is just as important and something that Sally and I both come to realization as well in a way, we've done this now so much in the, just a short two, two and a half years we've been performing this show that it's becoming second nature. I'm, I'm new to it. Of course, Sally's been doing it much longer than me, so I had catching up to do. But that part's second nature, and that's kind of our reward for the hard work leading up to it. The music is really, in a way, it's the easy part. It's the fun part of the show. Would you say that, Sally? It's like Yeah, that's that's when we get... That's when we get to have fun and play. <laughs> That's yeah. a reward. And people Absolutely. don't know, like, if we have, like, for example, I think it's Sony's, if, you know, curtain opens at 7 o'clock, leading up to all that hard work before the first note hits and all the preparation and the rehearsals and, you know, and, and all of that stuff, 
the the easiest part for us is sitting. The fun part is sitting down and making the music. Well, let me ask you a question then. You're having fun with it. You do sound like them. There's no question. And as you get more into this, and you'll be doing this for a long time, you ever hear a song that's popular either either in the past or one currently that you think, wow, what could the Carpenters do with that? you ever think about trying something like that? I mean, it's kind of hard because everybody wants to hear what they did, and, the, and we all get that. But are you ever tempted to do something like that? We. We've had discussions about this actually mm-hmm. multiple times. Uh, we have some friends who are talented songwriters, you know, mm-hmm. and say, hey, wouldn't it be cool if, if that or we say, yeah, if, if Karen was still with us today, what would she be doing? What would she be singing? You know, and we do have in the works um, a recording project uh, of taking uh, some of their hits and uh, one of them in particular uh, we're going to take it and give it a complete fresh coat of paint, and and Sally's going to be singing it in English and in Spanish, mm. and and giving it like a, a little bit of a, a beautiful Latin flavor to it, just to give it something a little interesting. I mean, if they want to hear Carpenters, of course, you know they can buy their albums, right. but <laughs> what could we do to kind of give our own little spin on it? So yeah, that that's definitely on the table. Yeah, right. but that- at the same time, it still has that. It still has that iconic Carpenters sound, even with the, even with yeah, this the know, sound the, reinvention yeah, of it. Exactly the harmonies. You, you have to have that too. You know, I mean, if if you have, if there and some of the things that I've I've put together, it, it can be four part harmony or five part harmony, and there's a lot of work, you know, involved in in developing that sound, and you know, so yeah. um, definitely the jazz influence is really big with the Carpenters. Well, it's real exciting. We're looking forward to this. We can't wait. It's great to have great music back on the strip and around town and so forth, so we're excited. Are you planning the Christmas tour again? Because, of course, you do a regular Christmas uh, tribute concert, which is a great fit with what you do during the rest of the year. Are you planning to do one this year, or you haven't even, have you even thought of that? Hmm. Well, we, there, there have been some discussions of some things Um uh, in in regards to that, uh, what we did before was uh, th- a lot of people realized the Carpenters never toured with their uh, Christmas show, and so we took the Christmas specials from their uh, what was Sally nineteen seventy seven and seventy eight yeah nineteen seventy seven and seventy eight and this was kind of this was an idea that I had um, about a year before I met Ned and I had the opportunity to put together a Carpenters Christmas show kind of on the fly and um i was at the time doing some shows with a dinner theater out in ohio and they're like well they'd have me out for my main carpenter show and they're like do you have a christmas show i'm like well i was planning on it so i put it together and like ned said it's based on their two christmas tv specials and then of course when i you know met ned and we did the, the revamp of the main show and then we then we um did, did an overhaul of the christmas show so Yes, once again, it's it's the two Christmas TV specials, and and just like our main show, I I meticulously um, scripted it from what you hear Karen and Richard saying in the TV specials. And I had a lot of fun too, since um, I'm also the, kind of the prop designer for the show. Sally is, has a big hand in the costumes and that sort of thing, and so I designed this. Yeah, I have this high-tech Christmas tree that can set up in about 30 seconds. <laughs> the stockings hung by the chimney with care. <laughs> 
and, and, there's, and there's the, lots and of video projections together. too. This is yeah, great stuff. Yeah, there sure is. And and in that one, we have a vintage because it's based on the TV specials. We brought back a lot of those classic uh, TV commercials that people see. It was done on what was it, Sally? ABC, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they did uh, all their we, TV we bring back, on ABC. Yeah, and when we did the show in Texas last year, it, we we really got a kick out of hearing the audience sing along. It's been. 40, 50 years, and they're all singing, my baloney has a first name. <laughs> <laughs> singing some of the commercials, you know, and Kodak, the time of your life. And so we went back and recreated that too. So although that, that to make more people feel more like rather than sitting in the audience, they're like sitting in their living room watching this, this special on their, on their, their big TV set. That's great. You know, they go <laughs> back to the, tw- the 20th then. century and, you know, that music does get in your head. Let's face it, as you were saying both of those, I could hear them right going on. So I understand that. This is really exciting. So it's yeah. you, you got to get out there and see this. They're going to be there for six weeks, Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. at Stoney's Rockin' Country over in Town Square, which is a great place to watch concerts. Sally, if we want to learn more about that, you have a place online we can go and uh, and follow you guys as you uh, develop this even further and maybe get ready for the Christmas season in a few months? Yeah, absolutely. Um, people can check out our website, and that's uh, www.carpenterstributeconcert.com. Of course, it's Carpenters, plural, with an S. We're also um, on Facebook and Instagram and you know all of the major social media platforms, and you can find links to those on on our website and we, YouTube. So we will do that. I think YouTube is a great go. In case you're wondering how good this is, go watch something there, and it's even better in person. Thank you. Best of luck for the six weeks, and we hope to see you around again in Vegas. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, and and we really want to thank you for everything you do to help uh, promote the entertainment community. And we're really excited about getting back to normal. What if every dollar you invested into your training program turned into $30 of revenue? What if your learning program was so engaging that your employees looked forward to annual trainings? And what if you could monitor the success and effectiveness of your curriculum with quantifiable metrics? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. E-learning has made each of these scenarios possible, utilizing tools such as virtual and augmented reality, simulations, and online instructor-led training provides a safe environment for employees to learn at their own pace. Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Here at Epsilon XR, we have 50 years of experience in creating powerful and effective training programs. We combine proven training methods with cutting-edge technology to create immersive training experiences. Are you ready to take your training program to the next level? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Training.epsilonxr.com. If you love great sound, you'll love Oont Speakers. Meet Troy, one of the idea guys who helped develop these fine speakers. Troy, these speakers would be great for the beach, the pool, or the golf course. Absolutely. With our golf speaker, it's a bit smaller, and it'll attach to both a powered cart and a pull cart. Be seen, be heard. Go to theoonts.com. That's T-H-E-O-O-N-T-Z.com.
Have your collectibles taken over your house? Well, maybe it's time for those treasures to find a new home. And I've got just the place to help you do that. The place to go is Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads, where they are always buying. Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads has over 35 years of experience buying collections of sports cards, memorabilia, bobbleheads, toys, action figures, comic books, Hot Wheels, Star Wars, movie posters, and more. If you've collected it, there's a good chance they'll buy it. No collections are too large or too small. Call Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads at 310-534-4180 or text them pictures of your collection. That number again is 310-534-4180. That's 310-534-4180. Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads, 310-534-4180. Okay, Sean, we need to talk about our training budget. We're spending almost $1,500 per employee each year. What's the plan? Well, ma'am, 42% of companies are saying that e-learning has led to an increase in revenue. What does that do about the travel expense? E-learning allows employees to learn wherever they are. Then we need to consider the time away from production. I heard that e-learning takes up to 60% less employee time than traditional classroom training. Perfect. Let's find a curriculum company, a development company, a learning management software company. Actually, Epsilon XR specializes in end-to-end learning solutions with tools such as instructor-led training, online classrooms, simulations, virtual and augmented reality, and curriculum development. Get Epsilon XR on the phone. Epsilon XR creates immersive learning environments that engage with your learner, resulting in improved information retention, which leads to better performance and ultimately an increase in revenue. Learn more at elearning.epsilonxr.com.